Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Bangkok in Thailand, from the So Sofitel Hotel. Earlier this week we went up to Chiang Mai, about an hour and 20 minute flight from Bangkok, very easy to do. And then from there about a five and a half hour drive, sometimes over roads, sometimes not, uh, to an amazing place located about 60 miles just south of the border with Myanmar. For those of you who are a little bit older, that would be Burma, to an amazing village that up until about eight years ago had no running water, no phones, no electricity, no TV of course, no school, no hospital. They were a small village of about 500 people, but they didn't have anything. They went to a friend of theirs who worked at the hotel nearby in Chiang Mai. And when I say nearby, remember, we're five and a half hour car ride away, and said, would you help us? And guess what? They did. And what we saw when we were there is an amazing transformation of what happens when you build infrastructure, what happens when you build a school that the community needs. I mean, they didn't have a school. They had no place for the kids to go. Of course, once the school came in, then the government got their act together. They realized, now we need to support this. And now there's electricity. Now there are phones. And yes, I spotted a few satellite dishes. They now have televisions as well, which means they're probably watching Modern Family, which is going to completely corrupt them in terms of how Americans really live their lives. But that's another story. The most important thing is they now have infrastructure, which means they, they, their, their economy is stabilized. They can actually have cause and effect that's positive, and they have a future. And the people behind that, it's the Accor Group. Joining me now is the Chief Operating Officer for Accor, uh, Patrick Bassett. Bottom line, 
How did you even get involved in this? Well, we got involved because uh, we have a fairly large operation here in Thailand. Well, when you say fairly large, we're talking 70 hotels. Yeah, 70 hotels. And yeah. just in one country. It's one country, yes. But That's huge. Know, yes, it's huge, but you know there are countries where we have a larger number of hotels. But Thailand uh, is, is the country we established ourselves many, many years ago uh, in, in the 80s. And we've grown into a fairly large operation here. Uh, we have over 10,000 employees. And, and those uh, employees have families. And those employees are families. And uh, we, we have actually an interest in this country, which is not only a purely a business interest, but we uh, have a social responsibility. Uh, and the reason why we got involved in a, a few projects, uh, and we are all, always looking out to doing more, is because we want both the corporate uh, employees, corporate office employees and the hotel employees to actually... Uh, put energy together and see how they can, you know, really give back, give back to the community, you know, what they are, what they are receiving. And it's also sort of like an ownership in the community because it's all, it's, it's one thing is helping the other all the time. Absolutely. Well, we, you know, for us, there's, I think it's no greater feeling than to have somebody coming from this community and be successful with us, you know. So eventually, maybe one day, one of those kids, you know, which we are helping to develop, will be one of the great managers of Accor oh, in Thailand. They're, Why not? They're already gunning for your job. You know that. Hey, Fine. The other thing that you guys did, and, and there was only one other company that I knew that did this, and that was the Carlson Group in the United States. You guys and Carlson were the first big hotel companies to sign the, the pledge with ECPAT. And ECPAT stands for N-Child, let's see, N-Child Prostitution and Trafficking. And it's an amazing organization. I've worked with them for years. Uh, and, it, and, and the thing about, about signing that pledge of behavior or that code of conduct is, what that really says, and I think people need to know exactly what it says, it's not just some nice thought. It really says we will not do business with anyone that we know who gets involved in either child labor, prostitution, or trafficking. And that can mean so many different things in terms of who supplies your hotels uh, or who works at your hotels or, or where your hotels take people even on tours. And uh, that was a very bold thing for you to do because a lot of hotels didn't do it. And there's a dirty little secret about that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my audience this because they need to know about it. One of the reasons, and I would, I would go to the guys at some of the biggest chains in the world and say, why didn't you sign the pledge? And they wouldn't tell me, and then I found out. So many hotels get so much of their revenue from pornography in the rooms, and the pornography in the rooms is often distributed by people who are very much engaged in trafficking, very much in, engaged in prostitution, and it would obviously violate the, the code that ECPAT is asking everybody to sign. You've gone to the extent of not only signing that pledge, but in certain places like Cambodia, you're building hospitality schools. You're giving people a, a <coughs> I mean, you are literally taking people off the streets and re completely reprogramming and educating them into legitimate career opportunities, which is great. Which, yeah, which is correct. I think, you know, for us, uh, we have to live, we have to actually uh, live and behave really in what we believe, right? And you cannot just stay on the edge. You have to be an actor. We are a very big actor. We are the biggest hotel chain company here in, in, in Thailand in particular, and in Southeast Asia actually, Indonesia, Vietnam, in all these countries we have a great network. And uh, we have to set the example. You know, we cannot just be the large company coming in here, you know, and just thinking to make profit and then leave. No, we can't do that, right? We have to well, set and, the and example. So many companies, you know, you have to follow the money. The money doesn't stay in the communities. The, the money leaves. Here, here, you can actually follow the money. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also you have to understand the, the way we operate hotels here. We are mostly managing hotels on behalf of investors. So most of the hotels are owned by families, right. so by institutions. So you don't have the equity, it's owned by, by individual Correct. local owners. Mostly, mostly, exactly. Right. So, so you so actually have to educate the owners too. Well, we, we, we actually bring them with us. Sometimes, you know, we go along with them because some of them got some great, you know, uh, some great initiatives, you know. And uh, sometimes I really admire what they have been doing for years or so. So we work side by side, I would say. But yes, in, in terms of what you've discussed, you know, the ECPAT, uh, the, 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 the HIV, you know, also promote, you know, the, the knowledge, uh, the education of the staff with, with regard to this aspect for many years. This is something that we are, we, we want all our staff to be aware. They're all being trained, they understand, and they all have a responsibility. I guess the big challenge for so many other hotel owners, uh, well, actually hotel operators, is educating the owners. Because the owners always want to know, what's the bottom line? Where's the money going? How much is it coming to me? Right? And if you tell them it's going to cost something, they, they, they usually push back. You almost have to basically show them it's not how much it costs, it's how much it's worth. Yes, but I think also, once they understand that Accor is fully committed, that our employees are fully committed, because sometimes the contribution doesn't only come from our customers, it comes from the employees also, and the corporate office. So I think for the, for the owners, it's a pretty simple decision for them to, to, to go along you know, and make an effort. To what extent, though, with all these initiatives that you're doing, can you also educate the guests and involve the guests so they become a part of the initiative that you're doing? Yes, well, the way we, we, yes, of course, I think once people take interest or try to, to, to look at what we're doing, uh, obviously, they, they, they start to understand. You know, we have promotional videos, for example, we show on in-house TV, uh, and we don't hesitate to talk about this. You know, we, we do press article, we, 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 we do a press conference about what we do. I guess what I'm suggesting is I had this great opportunity to go up north and spend time with those children in the school. It was an enriching experience for me, I have to tell you. I, I didn't want to leave. Right. I, was having so, I was having so much fun with them. Yes. And they were having so much fun with me. And they beat me in soccer. Okay, fine. But the point is, wouldn't it be great to also get your guests to be able to do a one-day excursion up there out of Chiang Mai to really see where, where the work is being done? Yes, true, but we, we tend to be a little bit uh, reserved and we don't really communicate that much what we do. Uh, I just can did. we? I, I just yes, did. you did. And I'm yeah. glad you did. I'm, I'm glad also you get this feeling and I do the same. Yeah. You know, when I go there with my, some of my staff, you know, you, you don't want to leave. You know, you have such a good time. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. about in every show that we do, I always like to ask the locals, especially if they're American expats having fun in those towns, places, destinations, and just locations. We've got one right here. Janine Lee St. John is the deputy editor of the Southeast Asia edition of Travel and Leisure, a magazine I read every month. Hi, I'm great. How now, you've been you? over here for like four years. I have. A transplanted New Yorker. Yes. From the days of Time Magazine, which now, by the way, Time, I'm almost saying Time Life, but it's they now are the parent corporation for Travel and Leisure. That's true. It's a weird circle. It is. Goes it, used in. Be, it used to be American Express. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, to me, I came to Bangkok when I was 28, and I said this earlier in the show, you know, I walk off the plane, I'm like, why are they being so nice to me? Well, I mean, they must be meeting somebody else. 
And then I realized it had nothing to do with me. It's, it's the ties. It's just an amazing experience that spoils you so fast. And I said, okay, I'm in love with this place. I'm always coming back, and I always have. Did you have that experience as well? Absolutely. I, I actually didn't understand it. I moved here from Vietnam. I love the Vietnamese people, but they're much, there's like a much more of an edge. I found that like it took a little while to warm up and then you would be, then you could be like real friends in Thailand. They're instantly friendly, but then you have to like, then it takes a while to figure out the culture to sort of get into like people's lives and families and stuff. Yes. I mean, but once you're in, you're in. Once you're in, you're in. Yeah. Now, do you speak Thai? No. It's a, it's, you know what? It's a, it's a tough language. It is. It is. I know a few words. My favorite word is Mepenrai. <laughs> yes, that's the most important one. Which means? It means no problem. No problem. Yeah. My favorite word is Pakshi, which means cilantro, which <laughs> I hate. So it was the first word I no had to pakshi. learn when I moved no here. No Pakshi. My, my Al Pakshi. <laughs> you like spicy? I love spicy. Well, then you've come to the right place. Absolutely. By the way, just a word of caution to people who have not been to Thailand before. If they say spicy, what they really mean is really spicy. Yeah. So if they say absolutely no spicy whatsoever... Otherwise, it's going to be spicy. But if you like spicy, boy, you have landed in the right place. That's true. So where do you like to go? I always like to say, where do you like to go that's not on the brochure, that's not in the guidebook, uh, where you like to hang out? Well, and we'll just start with meals for a, for a second, right? Okay. Breakfast. 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 So speaking of spicy, there <laughs> <laughs> is a street cart near my office that um, it's run by a husband and wife team, and they churn out... Um, this pad crab guy, which is spicy chili chicken basil. And by the chili way, basil, when chicken. I think breakfast, that's exactly <laughs> the dish I think of. I know. I'm like, I've become super Asian since moving here. And like, I'll, now I eat chicken for breakfast. So um, at any rate, they, have, they, they cut fresh chicken, white chicken breast meat. And they always have a line or like orders coming in from motorcycle drivers from like across the city. So you got to get, get them at the right time and then they can make it for you. Otherwise, you have to wait for like 15 people to get their capra uh, guy. And lunch? Lunch. Does um, it involve chicken again? <laughs> There's a lot of good chicken in this town. There is. You must have had fried chicken on well, all Well, in the old the days streets. when I used to eat meat, I'd go out at the, at, off the streets. I'd do the Pratanam at night. You know, just go out yeah. and eat right off the street. My, my advice to people about eating overseas is it's long as it's cooked, yeah. you got a shot, right? <laughs> uh, raw vegetables, not usually a good idea. Right. Um, and... The biggest mistake that Americans, Americans make the same mistake time and time again. They'll, they'll order a Coca-Cola or a soft drink, and then they'll order ice. Yeah. And unless you're at a hotel that actually purifies the water, ice is exactly what is, is the kind of water you shouldn't have when it melts. So there you go. That's absolutely right. That's yeah. the other thing you need to know. Maya Nam Kang, which means no ice. <laughs> and, you, and, and you learned that the hard way, did you? <laughs> well, I, I think that once you've lived in Asia for a while, your stomach actually gets pretty immune. Well, sure. So it's, 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 I it's, brush my teeth in the water. I, like, cook with the water. But in general, I wouldn't do that for, like, You have that very interesting like, glow to you. I noticed that. Yes, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little green. Yeah, there's a little green. Uh-huh. All right, so lunch, you were about to say? I was going to say, since you brought up chicken, yeah. actually just across the way from where we are in the Sofitel So, um, across from Lumpini Park, is a little soy called soy polo. Well, by the way, you mentioned uh, Lumpini Park. You know, what's interesting about it is you don't see a lot of parks in Bangkok. 
But this is the one you want to be at because you can walk to it from this hotel. That's it's, true. It's, and they have a little lake out there. It's cool. Yeah. And then on the other side over by Rajadharmi Road, that's where the old golf course is. Yes. And that's over by the old Regent, which then became the Four Seasons. Now it became the Anantara. Right. Yes. Right? Great location because right down there, you got the Grand Hyatt and then the Buddha Shrine right there on the corner. That's right. It's cool. And all the mall, it's like all very centrally located if you know what corners to turn. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so you're about to say. So, soy polo um, has excellent fried chicken. Possibly the most famous fried chicken in the world. It's like, or in the city, sorry. Um, garlicky and not too greasy. Um, if you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. We've been speaking to Janine Lee St. John, the deputy editor for Southeast Asia for Travel and Leisure magazine and her addiction to chicken. <laughs> Dare I ask Accurate. your dinner place? <laughs> Please don't say chicken. Okay, okay. I will come up with not chicken. I'm going to veer a little bit away from Thai food right now, if that's all right. Although I can give you a Thai recommendation. But in this area, several blocks up from the Sofitel So, So Sofitel, is the street Satoan Soy 10 and 12. And that is like the up and coming hot, hottest neighborhood uh, in the city. There's just like restaurants and bars opening there every other week. The newest and coolest on the list is called Bunker, which is run by a, yes, New York transplant named Arnie Marcella. And he sort of does like slow food and locavore and like fusiony, like it's American contemporary, but it's also like Thai market ingredients and with a New York accent. With <laughs> with a New York accent. A, a large American expat community here, right? There is. Yeah, it's surprising, but yeah, you find Americans all the time. And I'm actually originally from Washington D.C. For the past month, I've only been meeting people from D.C. It's super weird. Yeah, yeah. and it's an election year too. That's true. Maybe everyone's just <laughs> maybe they're moving. getting out of Washington. <laughs> Hey, you know, exactly. one shout out about the food. There's a restaurant in this hotel called, called Red Oven. That's right. Unreal. The brunch is amazing. Oh, my God. We, I mean, I walked in there. I forgot it was even a Sunday. I walked in there. It was brunch. Yeah. It's like, what happened? It's like, <laughs> just when you thought you'd run out of food stations, turn left. Yeah. And there's the sushi station. And there's the robot. I mean, it's like, it doesn't stop. And then you look out on the big glass windows over Lumpini Park, and everybody's just like, have, you just feel sort of, up above the world, but in the city at the same time. Yeah. It's pretty cool. No, it was very cool, and you walk out needing a nap. <laughs> that might be all the champagne you drink. I, I was very good. I did not have, <laughs> no, no champagne, but they do that too. They do. What's amazing, you know, having been to Bangkok now since, what, 1978 in my case, is the, the whole idea of globalization because every chef in the city now can source anything. Right. The airlift is so good that everything gets flown in. Anything you could possibly want is here. That's true. And I've been learning more and more about that as I've gotten more restaurant owner friends. And they sort of, like, at first it was everybody band together and bring in a big shipment. Or if you worked at a hotel, you had, like, enough quantity or bring in um, stuff from Italy and New Zealand and the States. But now people are, restaurants in the city, that's one of the best new developments in the city, I think, is that people are able to bring in one-off batches of, like, Galician pork and, like, and steaks from far-flung places in Italy and Spain in just one batch. So you can get like this great quality from like a guy that picked it from you for you like a week ago and eat it in Bangkok for a reasonable price. 
And what that means is you can actually sit here like we're doing right now and have a, and have a discussion like, where are the coolest oysters in town? And in Bangkok, you actually get an answer. That's true. I mean, you know, mussels from New Zealand, they got them. Yeah. Oysters from the East Coast, they got them. Yeah. But here's the question that I'm going to give you. Uh-oh. Best mac and cheese. <laughs> ah, that's a hilarious... In Bangkok. <laughs> I, I bet you have an answer. Okay. Besides my own, which is actually quite legendary. Really? <laughs> yes. Does it contain chicken? It contains... No, it contains bacon. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but... Um, Okay, so Mark Falcioni is, Mark and Honey Falcioni are um, an American Thai couple who moved here, back here several years ago, and they run a restaurant called, it's brand new, called Crying Tiger, um, and their Daniel Tiger was their original food truck of cheeseburgers, it's like the most authentic American delicious cheeseburgers you could get in this town, and Crying Tiger has just I can't believe out, we're talking about cheeseburgers in Bangkok. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I brought it up. I would think I, I blame myself. Go ahead. And also, you want to talk to expats. As an expat, these things are important, right? Like, I yeah. eat Thai food every day, but you know, you, you need to have your, you you gotta gotta have your like, burger fix. And it has to be real, or else I don't really want So, they're it. mac and cheese, right? So, they just rolled out, they just opened a new restaurant called Crying Tiger, and they're mac and cheese. Is that cheese. because it's very spicy? The tiger's <laughs> crying? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. I haven't yeah. asked yet. Um, anyway, they're mac and cheese. Tops. Tops. Pretty good. Okay. All right, so we got the mac and cheese covered. <laughs> we got breakfast, lunch, and dinner covered. Some with chicken, some without. Some, yes. The biggest surprise to people visiting you in Thailand, that, that in Bangkok, that they're not that they're not expecting when they come to visit you. Um, I would have to say that people who've never been have this sort of romantic, old, King and I. like yeah, old Siam vision of the city and it's incredibly shockingly modern where are the wagons the wagon is too slow can't you ride it's not that he can't ride how is it you put it home they're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle why would i want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs Joining me now, uh, Gilles Turan, who's the, uh, the general manager of one of their brands called Ivis here in, in Chiang Mai. How are you, sir? Very good, thank you. So you, you heard my introduction. Accord has been doing some of this stuff for, for a long time. It's not new. And, and yet there are a lot of hotels that will say, you know, don't let us wash your towel. We'll save the environment. And I'm a little bit cynical about that because they say, oh, they just want to save money. But you've actually shown your guests the cycle that works, don't you? Yes, yes, indeed. Meaning uh, half of the saving we are doing in the hotel. Originally, 10 years ago, we did it by ourselves to try to replant, reforest, but it's becoming too big. So we associated with the pure project. The funds that we save from the towel are allocated to the pure project to plant the trees. And we'll talk about that in, in our next hour. But that means you're planting a lot of trees. Yes, yes. How many trees are you planting? Oh, I do not remember the figure, to be honest, but it's... It's being, substantial. It's substantial, and it's on a three, five, three to five continents worldwide. One of the sites in Asia being Thailand, and there is five different sites across Thailand. Just, just, as, uh, just dealing just with the trees alone 
is a rather huge undertaking. Yes, indeed. Right? I mean, yeah, it's, yes, very and, big and I wouldn't know how to plant a tree. I mean, if I planted a tree, it would die. You have to know, yeah, what, you're, yeah, you have to yeah. know what you're doing. Yes, indeed. Yes. But it's more than just <laughs> taking the money that you save from not washing the towels and planting trees. You're doing other things as well. Yes, definitely. Right, we have, uh, it's part of the Accor Planet 21 action, which we groups a lot of uh, different family training of the staff to all these problem, uh, sponsoring the local community, promote healthy food and local products. Right, let's, let's talk about that one by one. I always tell people that if somebody tells you they're doing good work, follow the money. See if it gets yep. to the people who need it the most. See if they're really dealing directly with the community, mm. right? And you yep. monitor yep. that very carefully. Yes. And, and part of that, uh, I guess, the core pledge is that you are not dealing with people who use child labor, you're not dealing with people who are doing any human trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I noticed in one of your hotels that even the soap has a story. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we're trying to, to use the fair trade approach as much as possible. Explain to, fair trade. Explain fair trade is to try to buy direct from the local community without having uh, a middleman a middleman that is pushing the price down to the community, and that is making a lot of money on it. So, so basically what you're doing is you're, it, the money's going directly to the community. Yes, exactly. And you're then taking that soap. See, there's a whole cycle here, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. When I check out of the hotel, I've used a little bit of that soap. I, unless I'm staying for a month, I haven't used all the yes. soap. Where does that soap go? That goes to another project that is Soap for Hope, that is recycling the soap for different use, again by the local community, so that they can uh, increase their revenue by themselves. And the amount of soap that we're talking about is substantial. It is, it is. I mean, think about this. If you have a 200-room hotel, and let's say you're operating at 60% occupancy, yep. that's, what, 120 rooms. 120 rooms with 120 bars of soap a night that yes. you can recycle. Exactly. Every day. Every day of the year. Time 50 hotel in Thailand. It's a very, you have 50 very, hotels in Thailand? About 40, 50 hotels. Yeah, so you're recycling a, a lot of stuff. That is a very, very big amount, yes. Wow. The other thing that I learned, which, you know, a number of hotels are taking the French fry oil and turning it into biofuel. Yep. Uh, yes. But what, the thing that cracked me up, I had to tell you, it made me laugh, it's what you're doing with the orange peels. You're, do, you're making marmalade. Yes, I mean, yes. so, so even that, I mean, you're, you know, there's so much food waste in the world. And you're, you're able to target items that would normally be thrown out and actually turn them around. Yes. Thailand um, is not a very developed country, but they have a, very, a lot of idea about everything that is recycling. That is fantastic. Riding along in my automobile my baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go Joining me now, uh, Gilles Turan, who's the, uh, the general manager of one of their brands called Ivis here in, in Chiang Mai. How are you, sir? Very good, thank you. So you, you heard my introduction. Accor has been doing some of this stuff for, for a long time. It's not new. And, and yet 
There are a lot of hotels that will say, you know, don't let us wash your towel, we'll save the environment. And I'm a little bit cynical about that because they say, oh, like, they just want to save money. But you've actually shown your guests the cycle that works, don't you? Yes, yes, indeed. Meaning uh, half of the saving we are doing in the hotel. Originally, 10 years ago, we did it by ourselves to try to replant, reforest, but it's becoming too big. So we associated with the pure project. The funds that we save from the towel are allocated to the pure project to plant the trees. And we'll talk about that in, in our next hour. But that means you're planting a lot of trees. Yes, yes. How many trees are you planting? Oh, I do not remember the figure, to be honest, but it's... It's being, substantial. It's substantial, and it's on three, five, three to five continents worldwide. One of the sites in Asia being Thailand, and there is five different sites across Thailand. Just, just, as, uh, just dealing just with the trees alone is a rather huge undertaking. Yes, indeed. Right? I mean, yeah, it's, yes, very and, big. And I wouldn't know how to plant a tree. I mean, if I planted a tree, it would die. You have to, yeah, know, what you're, yeah, you have to yeah. know what you're doing. Yes, indeed. Yes. But it's more than just <clears throat> taking the money that you save from not washing the towels and planting trees. You're doing other things as well. Yes, definitely. Well, we have, uh, it's part of the Accor Planet 21 action, which we groups a lot of uh, different family, training of the staff to all these problem, uh, sponsoring the local community, promote healthy food and local products. Right, let's, let's talk about that one by one. I always tell people that if somebody tells you they're doing good work, follow the money. See if it gets yeah. to the people who need it the most. See if they're really dealing directly with the community, mm. right? And you yeah, monitor yeah. that very carefully. Yes. And, and part of that, uh, I guess the core pledge, is that you are not dealing with people who use child labor, you're not dealing with people who are doing any human trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I noticed in one of your hotels that even the soap has a story. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we're trying to, to use the fair trade approach as much as possible. Explain to, fair trade. Explain fair trade is to try to buy direct from the local community without having uh, a middleman middle that is pushing the price down to the community, and that is making a lot of money on it. So, so basically what you're to, doing is you're, it, the money's going directly to the community. Yes, exactly. And you're then taking that soap. See, it's, it's, there's a whole cycle here, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. When I check out of the hotel, I've used a little bit of that soap. I, unless I'm staying for a month, I haven't used all the yes. soap. Where does that soap go? That goes to another project that is Soap for Hope, that is recycling the soap for different use, again by the local community, so that they can uh, increase their revenue by themselves. And the amount of soap that we're talking about is substantial. It is, it is. I mean, think about this. If you have a 200-room hotel, and let's say you're operating at 60% occupancy, yep. that's, what, 120 rooms. 120 rooms with 120 bars of soap a night that yes. you can recycle. Exactly. Every day. Every day of the year. Time 50 hotel in Thailand. It's a very, you have 50 very, hotels in Thailand? About 40, 50 hotels. Yeah, so you're recycling a, a lot of soap. That is a very, very big amount, yes. Wow. The other thing that I learned, which, you know, a number of hotels are taking the French fry oil and turning it into biofuel. Yep. Uh, yes. But what, the thing that cracked me up, I have to tell you, it made me laugh, it's what you're doing with the orange peels. You're, do, you're making marmalade. Yes, I mean, yes. so, so even that, I mean, you're, you know, there's so much food waste in the world. 
and you're, you're able to target items that would normally be thrown out and actually turn them around. Yes. Thailand is not a very developed country, but they have a very a lot of idea about everything that is recycling. That is fantastic. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now at radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. You know, one of the things we've been talking about throughout the show is when hotels do more than lip service when it comes to dealing with social issues, the environment, child trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, prostitution, uh, coming up with a code of behavior that truly helps the community and in, in the long run, helps the country, and in the long run, helps the people. Actually, sometimes even in the short run. And then there's the environmental aspects of it. And, and, and there's a project that, uh, that we visited in, in northern Thailand, up near Chiang Mai, uh, doing some amazing work, and it's called the Pure Project. And joining me now is Phong Supicha, who's the, who's the Thailand manager for the project. Sawadee Sawadee So, Phong, the Pure Project is truly dealing with something that the, the people in northern Thailand didn't really even know about, right? They didn't even know the damage they were doing. They're starting to know. Uh, well, it takes time to learn something, of course. But what were they actually doing? Uh, in the northern Thailand, they would like to earn some money, and the monoculture will give them fast money, and that's the problem. And that's, Meaning that they're going to grow certain things that is, is yeah. really going to create a real problem in terms of deforestation, right. in terms of just the environment alone. True. And they didn't even know that it affects even their health. And then they're starting to learn, and they're trying to move to move to the new things. And what we're trying to help them is to give them education about agroforestry, how to reforest, how to get back the old life, what they had 10 years back. And with the support of the ECOR, this is possible. Let's go back to what were they growing before? Uh, 10 years ago, they lived a very simple life. And... But then when they start sending kids for education in the city, they need like a lot of money. And corn came up to be one of the choice. So Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate. What's wrong with corn? There's nothing wrong with corn. But then when you grow only corn, that's the problem. When they start the, um, cut down the trees for the economy of scales, um, that's why... Um, the deforest is very, very heavy in northern Thailand. So what you had to do is to get them to stop, literally get them to stop growing so much corn. Mm, correct. We, you, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to stop them. We try to tell them what, would, what uh, the effect in their life. And they, they're starting to agree because a lot of people start getting sick from chemicals, heavy chemical use. And, from the pesticides. Right. And then the degraded land, the soil is not enriched anymore because they, they only grow monocrop, which is not good for soil, for, for no fertilizer at all. So whatever they produce is not good quality after that. So they started to know, and they start to 
look for the solutions and the new thing. So this is where we came up and teach them. With the, with the Pure Project? With the Pure Project, uh, initiated by Accor, Accor Acts Pure Project. We were the expert on agroforestry and reforestation. All right, so I'm a villager in northern Thailand. I've been growing corn. I've been using crazy chemicals and pesticides. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting as much money as I used to get for it. My people are getting sick. Mm. Um, the land is not being able to be reused. Mm-hmm. So here you come in and say, okay, Farmer Greenberg, <laughs> what, here's what you need to do. What do I need to do? Okay, what do you need to do? You have to know where you are. You have to know your soil. You have to know you, ha- you are at, uh, we have the GPS tracker that tell them um, the environment, they're at, they're at the 1,100 altitude. Meters. Meters from the sea level. So about 3,000 so, feet up. Right? So, okay, here's the choice uh, that three species you can grow and you can earn money from it. That, uh, that won't ruin the soil. Right. That won't ruin the soil. And then we give them some models. Uh, diversification is the key. Like, okay, Peter, this is the model. What three species do you like? Maybe we have hundreds in our hand. And what do you want to grow? Say five species you pick. We teach them the models, how to blend the forest trees, grow the forest trees, mix with the fruit trees. And then that's how you enrich the soil because um, trees are actually the natural fertilizers. Trees, um, for a while, they will give fertilizers, 30, increased fertilizer for 36% compared to the degraded land in some time. And then you start uh, getting a better yield from the fruit trees and from you lower uh, the use of fertilizer, of course, and then the yield is, is more. And then they can actually make more money. Right. Correct. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. They just don't know what to grow. We have to go there and educate them. And then we, for example, they want to go macadamia, for example. This is very macadamia new. Macadamia nuts. Macadamia nuts. Very expensive nuts. Yes. Yeah, it's very expensive. They didn't know. There's demand. And then... Just for me, there's demand. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't know this. So they don't know how to grow it well. Of course, when they, they say, okay, let's go for macadamia, we will send some expert up there and then teach them how to grow it very well. Same thing with coffee. Same thing with coffee, which initiated by Accor four years ago. Are they growing it in enough quantity that the hotel can actually purchase it from them? I, I used to study in the Hui Pa only. And when, uh, after five years, we, we, we'll give the yield for 14 ton of coffee. 14 so ton. That, so that is enough for the hotels. Yeah, it can go to the hotel. Wow. So it's actually, if you look at the cycle of it, mm-hmm. You're helping the community. Right. The community's helping itself. Right. And then the community's helping the hotel. Correct. Wow. Now It's it, a great it, cycle. It, it's, it's too bad that it's so far north that most hotel guests don't get a chance to see it. Ah, okay. Uh, but it would be great for them to, to experience it, to understand right, right. the consequence of what you're doing. Right. Where else are you working in the country uh, on these projects? Uh, on this, we'll, we'll work uh, on tree planting project, basically. Like, for example, in the south, in Krabi, we also work... Not far uh, from Koh Samui. Yeah, not far, in Krabi. Yeah. Uh, well, there, the community have the problem of losing land. 
So erosion. We erosion. We have to plant the mangrove to protect the community land. Because this goes back to the tsunami in 2004. Correct. They lost a lot down there. Yeah. And then people start moving backward for five times. Uh, only last month, I was there. I interviewed one lady after tsunami. She has to she move five different times. Five different times because... Uh, the land, the, the sea level is just coming in. So in order to get the land back, we have to plant mangrove. And this uh, is sponsored by Ecor. And then on the plantation day, Ecor will be there. Kirby, Sofitel, Ibis will be there. All the brands. Yeah, to help the community planting the and trees. And it's also great for your employees because they get involved. They know what's going on yeah, in the community. They're next door. What's going on? It's community-led. It's community-sponsored. Mm-hmm. And... The education required down there is not that much because they see it in front of their eyes. They right. see the they see their land disappearing. Right, correct. Five times is not funny. <laughs> no, five times is an ordeal. Are you kidding? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it's nice to see that a hotel will support so many of these projects mm-hmm. because it's sending a message also to the community mm-hmm. that you are a part of the community. Right, correct. It's great. It's very great. Well, you know what? If you want more information about that, go to our website, petergreenberg.com, to see all the projects that they're doing. It's called the Pure Project, spelled P-U-R. Right. Hello? Uh, This is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. Looking for we had an opportunity this week to to go way up north, Thailand, close to the uh, to the Burmese border, otherwise known as Myanmar, to see a remarkable project there—a school that was built by the Accor folks in a village that, before they were there, had no electricity, no telephones, no running water, no school, no hospital, no roads. I mean, you couldn't have been more remote if you tried. And it's an amazing story of how the efforts of one group of hoteliers put these guys firm footing of great structure and a great future. And it's an opportunity to talk about what hotels can do other than just simply donate money somewhere. These guys actually put their money where their mouths are. Joining me now, Fraser McKenzie from the Accor Group. Fraser, you heard the introduction, and you've been based here for over 20 years, so you know what it really means to do that kind of stuff. Well, when we, we think about the amazing resilience of, of the Thai people and we think about the interaction of the hotels with the communities, this is a, a fantastic example of being able to help a local community help themselves. You know, I always say you got to follow the money. I don't care what anybody says about, you know, uh, we're doing a great job. Really, where does the money go? There's a uh, safari operator in Africa named Mikado, the, uh, run by a guy named Dennis Pinto. And this guy, I'm telling you, I shout this guy out every time I, ha- I can because... He has a deal. Now, you can't miss this up, right? Anytime he books a safari, he puts one child in Africa all the way through school. That's amazing. Now that, I mean, and, you, and you can actually track it. I mean, it's, and it works. It goes right back to the local community. And if you look at the dynamics of African families and how most of them can't afford to send any of their kids to school, by getting one kid in that school, it makes the hugest difference, not only in that family, but in that community that gives them a future. I think one of the critical things is being able to keep it simple for us, Peter. So what the hotels have done here in Bangkok, uh, we've also formed a, another group, and that's called Food for Thought. So we give... Yeah, how much food is wasted? Oh, a phenomenal amount of food is wasted in, uh, in not only the communities and hotels, all over the place. And before you even tell me about that program, I, I would like to just 
call this into question in the United States. You fly on an airline. I know that airline food can be considered an oxymoron, but it's still food. Mm. There's a lot of it that's thrown out. And it's still fresh, and it's still good. You know, and, and, and who's shepherding that food to the people who need it the most? Well, in the United States, we're beaten up by liability laws and lawyers who say, well, if somebody gets sick, you could get sued. Have they ever heard of a waiver? You know, let yeah. somebody sign the waiver saying, I know this is food that came off a plane. I'm eating it at my own risk. Very few people are ever going to get sick from that. Same thing applies to restaurants in the U.S. You have a little bit easier job of dealing with it over here, don't you? Well, certainly the community, community makes it a lot easier for us. So we've got eight hotels that are central in Bangkok, and they each take turns each week to provide that excess food. So it's perfectly good, uh, palatable food that comes uh, straight off the buffets or out of uh, conferencing buffets, and that goes to the communities up to 100 meals a week. And that's per hotel? That's out of the eight hotels. Right, but still it's making a difference. Oh, it's fantastic. And you should see the faces of the, the children because we actually uh, interact with a, an NGO here in Bangkok. Um, and it's that particular operation uh, looks after women who are uh, in a difficult place within the community. I always think that if you can understand the process, then you appreciate the product. And too many mm -hmm. people are just trying to talk about the product. If you can get your guests involved in that, how many of your guests would appreciate actually going into the community and delivering that food? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting aspect. One of the things of, of guest interaction comes with our Planet 21, which, of course, is our sustainable platform throughout our core Now, globally. by the way, I have, to, I have to call into question one thing. There are a couple of buzzwords out there that drive me nuts, right? Sustainable is one of them. Yep. Ecotourism is another. Farm to table, are you kidding me? It's been farm to table since the earth began. This is not a new concept, right? So let's get down to a definition of sustainable. Okay. For uh, sustainable, it means an ongoing operation, an ongoing operation that lessens impact on our community for wh where the hotels are operating. So if we look at Plant for the Planet, which we couple with our NGO Pure Product, oh, sorry, Pure Project, we... Well, the Pure Project we saw. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you've seen that in action. So we give 50% of our laundry savings. So that's 50% of the laundry savings and power savings or energy savings to Pure Project to plant trees for See, us. it's all about connecting the dots. How many hotels do I check into? And there's that little card on the bed saying, help us save the planet by not washing your towel. And the cynic in me, of course, says, yeah, right, you just want to save money. All you need to do is bring me into the hotel laundry. Let me see the size of those machines, the amount of phosphates you're using for me to get, oh, God, I get it now. I get the picture. But then you want to go one step beyond, saying, okay, I get it. We're saving the planet. You're also saving costs. Where's that money going? And you have an answer for that. Oh, absolutely. And, and we're in a good position because you've seen the end product and you've seen the impact that it has on the communities that we're, we're working and living in. Well, one of the things that we saw when we were up there, and, I, and, and we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, but you know, there we were about only about 50 or 60 miles from the border with Myanmar. For those of you who are old enough to remember, that's Burma. Uh, and for every towel that you're not washing, right, per guest, it ends up being translated into some kind of a formula where you're planting a tree. That's right. And, and, and we're talking hundreds of thousands of trees. Globally, uh, there's been a, I guess there's been a couple of forests planted uh, through our core hotels. It's, it goes further than that. As I said, just the, uh, the food for thought, um, and we, we look at uh, soap for hope. So we're actually taking, you know, those little you know bars, I mean? of, well, little you know bars of soap that I you have. You, I, I checked into one of your hotels. I think it was, it was a Novotel, or it could have been a, a Mercure, right, mm. uh, in Chiang Mai. And there in the bathroom, the soap was labeled differently than I've ever seen it. The shampoo and the conditioner was labeled differently, right? And it, it made you re realize that, okay, when I checked out of the hotel... I didn't take the soap. It's, I left it in the sink or I left it right. There's, a, there's a, a used bar of soap there, but it doesn't get thrown out. 
No, that's absolutely right. We actually take that and repurpose it, and it goes to um, the local community once again. Um, we've got a really good partner in diversity, uh, which is a, I guess it's a local chemical uh, producer. Okay, keep going. I'm just trying to think. Oh, Sealed Air. Sealed Air is the, uh, the official name of diversity, and diversity partner with us, and we repurpose that soap for use in the local community. So we actually give it to the NGO for free, and then we buy it back for them. And we can give that as VIP gifts, or we can give it to our staff. Um, it's amazing. You know, if you, once again, I would like to follow the bar of soap. I would like to follow the tree. I'd like to, because once you do that and you connect those dots, then people get the picture. It's different than that little card on the bed. And by the way, here's the crazy part. In most hotels I'm staying at, the card they put on my bed is plastic. Hello? Sort of defeats the purpose, don't you think? You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast on the new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings wherever you get your podcasts.